Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today is Armando Cervantes, who is a lot of things right now at the Diocese of Orange. Armando, you've got several titles right now. Just give me a rundown. What are you in charge of now? Uh, Rick, it's a pleasure to be with you. I am now <laughs> yes, and welcome. Uh, I am now uh, responsible for youth ministry, young adult ministry, campus ministry, and now Hispanic ministry as well. Ah, so definitely, bueno, bueno. definitely adding to the to the list of wonderful uh, blessings. My predecessor, Deacon Guillermo Torres. Sad to not have him with us, and uh, and because I need sometimes his his wisdom, because as you can imagine, Hispanic ministry in and of itself is a huge, huge. community here in our diocese huge. of Orange. Before we go any forward, therefore, <laughs> let's start with a word of prayer, if you would be so kind. Yes, of course. Uh, let's lift all of our needs up to our Lord and begin as we do always in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Good and gracious God, we give you praise and glory, Lord, for this wonderful opportunity to share uh, with a community of brothers and sisters across space and time. We ask that you continue to bless us and guide us and inspire us in the midst of all of our challenges, uh, whether they may be health, environmental, so many things going on, Lord, where we need you. Uh, allow us to be your hands and feet to our brothers and sisters who need you most. Allow us to open our eyes to where our gifts and talents can be utilized. And let us continue to be Christ to each other. And we ask Mother Mary in this week to uh, intercede for us, to guide us and lead us closer to her son. And we pray all this in Christ's most holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, Armando, I am so glad that you were able to come in. I, getting you um, roped and tied to come in and sit down <laughs> in the studio is is a feat unto itself, especially now that you have taken on so many roles. A lot of that, I know, is because we've had a, a lot of changes that have taken place in the diocese in the, in the wake, hopefully a temporary wake, but in the wake of the COVID-19 crisis that's gone on. How has that impacted what you and the diocese are able to do in order to, as we say, do the Lord's work. Rick, well, again, it's a pleasure to be with you and with your audience. And, you know, the reality is, as you can imagine, we were, we are not immune to this situation. And if anything, I think, uh, you know, I have a lot of colleagues across the nation who are like, well, what happened? You know, Diocese of Orange in our mind is the is a well-off diocese. You guys should be fine. And I said, yeah, I mean, and I think maybe in other years we would be fine. But we also just opened up a brand new cathedral just a year ago. Yeah. We, we've uh, we just opened. I think uh, I don't know if you've seen the new parking lot at Modern Day, which is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we were really in a growing phase and we found ourselves really challenged. And uh, I know I, I've talked to pastors who are her feeling uh, just the challenges of the finances and the diocese at the pastoral center is no different. And, uh, and it's sad to say that I, I've seen colleagues, uh, originally furloughed and, and eventually, you know, let go because of our current financial crisis. And being honest with you, sometimes I, you know, I'm blessed that I'm still here. Yes, I joke about the many hats, but I'm blessed that I still have a, a job. Sometimes I feel guilty depending on the day you ask me because it's, it's hard. It's hard when, the same amount of work, if not more, is needed in our parishes and our communities, and there's less of us at the pastoral center to do that. It is hard to watch other people not be able to contribute, but from that other perspective, it's not so much that you have been blessed and fortunate. Perhaps you have been punished and cursed. <laughs> but either way, it's not you that is the focus here. It really would be the the ministries that you're empowering. Oh, correct. So we're... Glad that you're here and able to empower those ministries to move forward. And they are moving forward as we're going through COVID-19 and we're, we're making some changes, some of which have taken longer and will have to take longer yet. We're still moving forward with those ministries. What kinds of adaptations have you been able to successfully employ in order to accomplish some things? Give me a couple of examples. What have you been doing? 
Well, you know, since the very beginning, I mean, being in youth and young adult ministry, I think the the blessing was that youth and young adults are already looking at technology. They're already they're they're wanting the cutting edge. So, you know, when people, I remember the very first time people said, "Well, we got to do mass online," and some people saying, "What? What does that even look like? We can't do that." I remember youth and young adults saying, "Of course we can. Let's get a camera out. My <laughs> phone is perfect." I mean, so so we transitioned pretty. Uh, pretty easily into the Zoom world of ministry, right? We we didn't really slow down. Uh, I think the parishes and the ministries that slowed down were those that lost staffing. The rest, I mean, we adapted, right? Let's do let's do rosaries online. I, I remember Focus Missionaries right away as soon as the pandemic hit. Every week we had a rosary available for young adults to join online. We had the Divine Mercy Chaplet at 3 o'clock if you wanted to join us. Uh, we had a worship night online and adoration, Eucharistic adoration with the camera facing our Lord so that you couldn't go into the church but you could still be with Christ. And so there were these beautiful moments of people just jumping into these creative spaces and saying, this isn't going to stop me from worshiping my Lord. This isn't going to stop me from growing in my faith. Now, since then, we definitely, you know, if you've heard the word Zoom fatigue, uh, <laughs> we definitely have had uh, a lot of people saying, please just let me into the church. I, I can't look at it through a screen anymore. I want the the experience, you know, of, of what Catholicism truly brings to the table when it comes to our liturgies and our, and our worship experiences. Well, and the table is a very important term there as well. Yeah. There have been so many people who have wanted to get back to Eucharist, which this whole thing, this whole time, though, has been it's been challenging in so many ways. It's been scary in so many ways. It's also interfered with a lot of the scheduling of what you wanted to do. It has. So how have you been able to adapt some of those things? You you now wear so many hats. Let's just let's go back to youth ministry, for example. What you're saying, what has that done to your to your scheduling? All, All sorts of things, I'm sure, had to be curtailed, I, I hate to use the word canceled, but at least postponed. Yeah, no, 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 a lot of things. So, you know, as, as you can imagine, our summer months are usually spent doing camps, yeah. uh, traveling to big conferences. I don't know if you're familiar with the Steubenville conferences. Absolutely. But, I mean, Steubenville conferences here in San Diego gathers, what, 5,000 teenagers yeah. in one stadium. So so being told, oh, I'm sorry, you can go to a virtual Steubenville conference now. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, doesn't have the same uh, same the flavor. not there. It's, it's <laughs> like know? Trying to watch a political event. On, never mind. We won't go there. But, no, let's let's not go there. But it, it's it's it lacks some of the excitement. You can't quite catch the fire when you're looking at a whole bunch of people through a screen. That is correct. And and so yes, I mean, did we did we respond? Yeah, we had a virtual camp where people joined and they got to meet other other teenagers from other places. And you know, we did uh, we did creative uh, prayers where we took them a box to their home and they could open that box and utilize items from that box for well, for different cool. activities. <laughs> you know, we, we were as creative as we could be, but as you can imagine, sure. on a much smaller scale and the, the sheer amount of young people that we actually really engaged really wasn't as high as we normally would have in a normal summer, which which to me is is disappointing. And part of it, you know, our office was also finding itself, finding that there wasn't enough of our ministers. A lot of our ministers had been furloughed. And while at that point we were like, so are you coming back? Are you not? But you know, once you're a furloughed minister, you're not allowed to volunteer in yeah. that ministry. So we found a lot of our young, uh, our youth ministers craving, desiring to share their gifts during this furlough period and being reminded you can't do that. That That's not uh, what you can or are able to do right now. This is one of the problems with having full-time ministry in, in the modern era. The rules are put into place in order to not abuse employees. Of course. But in an emergency situation, there's no room there either for being able to adapt. It makes it very, very hard, especially when people go into professional ministry, not to make a big paycheck because you don't make a big paycheck, but because you really want to do the work of the Lord and you don't want your finances to be the reason why you don't. That's right. So the salary that most diocesan employees get, most most uh, parish employees get, it's not very high, but it's enough to so they don't have to worry about having enough food and being able to do it. It's usually one of two salaries at a home. That's it's, usually true, yes. Yeah, it's, yes, very it, true. It's, it's an augmenting thing, but it also means that there are rules that go along with it. Oh, my gosh, if you get furloughed, you're not allowed to do the ministry you love. That's right. Oh, that, that so right. you're relying now on more volunteers. And so who has time to volunteer in a parish? Oh, it's the people who are over 60 who are reluctant to come out during COVID. Yep. So you get a double whammy here. No, you do. How have you, you been do. able to, to survive? How have you been able to, to get the personnel 
to do this. Well, we've been, I mean, you know, the, God has, has ways to invite others to the table and to invite others to the community. Uh, you know, people have stepped up. A lot of young adults who maybe before would say, well, you know, I'm the background help. I'm the, you know, I can only, I'll help who's somebody in charge. They've have, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of young adults step up to roles that were traditionally given to someone older or someone because at the end of the day, they might have had more flexibility. I think uh, we've been, we've been very careful about inviting and bringing in and empowering because sometimes we also don't know the reality in that person's home life. You know, we, we rely on volunteers, you know, usually in every ministry, yeah. but in this time when they might also be in need of support. They might be living with someone who has or could be affected by COVID. So uh, we we had to do a lot more legwork than we normally were used to because we couldn't just assume that by calling someone young and ready that they were ready to go. In fact, we sometimes would call people and say, you know what, I, I can't. I, I just lost my job too and I want to volunteer, but right now I have other more pertinent matters just for my own survival. We, we jumped in actually even with Catholic Charities and partnered with them right away because we actually noticed an uptick of people just wanting food. Yeah. And uh, and I remember Catholic Charities calling us and uh, the Office of Life, Justice, and Peace with Greg and saying, we need volunteers. We also have a lot of older volunteers that aren't supposed to be here, and we need hands you know, we need hands right away. Right. And uh, and so, again, God has just a way to when we call and when we invite and when we remind that people say they just step up, step up and are willing to help. It's it's such an irony because at a time when we probably need more volunteers than ever before, because we're going through this economic. Oh, what do you want to call it? Turmoil, I guess, is a way to put it where some people would describe it as a V-shaped recovery. Others have described it as a K-shape. You definitely have a group of people who have lost their jobs permanently or don't have many prospects for jobs or have lost a huge amount of their income one way or the other. Right. And this is still affecting them and still hurting them. And it's precisely at this moment that you want to help the most. That's right. And it's precisely at this moment where we have the, the least amount. Yeah. Which goes back to, therefore, those of you who are listening and have the ability to both contribute financially or contribute time or talent, uh, please do so. This yeah. is a time to rise to the occasion. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about a number of different things that are happening in the diocese. I know we've got a major event coming up uh, shortly, actually, uh, on ministries. Uh, and you've got so many that we're going to be talking about. I want to make sure their listening audience is able to call in anybody who would like to hear more about these events in the diocese. I'm talking with Armando Cervantes, uh, and Armando wears several hats. He is the director of youth and young adults, along with the director of Hispanic ministry, but it's actually got, it, it, the title is, is in Spanish. Mi español es no bueno. Yo necesito muchas más prácticas. Director de Ministerio Español. That's correct. But you need a tilde yeah. on the end. On the end, end I do. End. I don't have the tilde. That's actually a good, that's a good, it's a good call right we there. Need, we need to get the tilde. <laughs> and about three other different positions he's got. If you would like to find out more, please have your friends uh, listen when we come back in and we will be right back. Catholic Radio coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is Armando Cervantes. And Armando is from multiple ministries. He officially has been historically, I guess I could say, (laughs) the director of youth and young adults, but has taken on many hats. While the diocese has hopefully temporarily contracted or shrunk a little bit in the number of personnel, during this time of economic crisis that's accompanying this time of COVID crisis. So you've been wearing lots of hats, but you've been very busy with a number of people that you're working with in order to accomplish some things. We've been talking about where we've been. Let's talk a little bit about where we're going. So what are some of the things that your ministries are involved with? So I think at the beginning, we were also very reactive you know, we, we didn't know what we were going to do, how to do it. We were trying to figure out who was furloughed, who wasn't furloughed. You know, uh, there's a, a big shout out to our bishop and our leadership who really, really kind of 
saw the long game and said, you know what, this is what we need to do to protect the assets to make sure that we're here for the long term. Currently, we are in, in collab- I say the collaboration or curation mode. How do we collaborate? Because we can't do it alone. We have less people. Or how do we curate information for people? Because you don't have time to create something or figure out what the best program is. You just need some resources for today. So in, in our current reality, we're collaborating or curating and making sure that we have resources and responses for our, in my case, for our youth, for our young adults, for our college students, for our Hispanic leaders or for our Hispanic communities, because we want to make sure that they know that the church loves them and is bringing the, the love of Christ to them at this time. So all of the ministries are still moving forward. They're just moving forward, some of them in different ways than they used to. At least for the time being. Definitely. I mean, all of them, all of them at this point, you know, I feel like I am more connected to um, to the Office of Life, Justice and Peace with Greg a lot more than I was before. He he had his own team. I had my own team. And while we talked to each other, we were doing our own thing. But now. Now, now you're talking about Greg Wagenbach. Greg Wagenbach from the Office of Life, Justice and, and Peace. And what does his office usually do? So his he, he does all of the pro-life. He works on social justice issues, anything that has to do with connections with Catholic charity. So Empowerment of people who need empowerment. Yes, for sure. So from the womb to the tomb, but people who have some sort of uh, difficulty going on in their life. So a lot of what you're doing is basically the practical work of trying to help steer people to work with those who are most in need. That is, I mean, and at the end of the day, we're trying to respond to the need. And when, when as a church, we hear these needs, and sometimes the pastors are sometimes in the same boat as we are at the diocesan offices. They don't have staff. They they are finding themselves, these questions bombarding them, and they call us and say, well, what resources do we have for these families? Well, we try to respond. And, you know, another office I didn't mention was the Office of uh, Family Life, a newly named Office, uh, office for Family Life with Linda G. She's been a great resource for mental health support, sure. for resources, for families who are finding themselves overwhelmed uh, and overrun by uh, by the reality of what's going on. And so we want our responses in our parishes to not just be thinking, okay, what ministry should we do next? Ministry is important, but once you open up ministries, you have these concerns that are going to come up. How do we respond to them appropriately? Sure. Okay, so I have three daughters. My youngest is just now starting freshman in college, one that's third year in college, and one that's up. And uh, the third year is here at Cal State Fullerton. And I know that they've had an ongoing campus ministry. How is she going to most likely encounter that this coming school year so far? What is it going to look like? Uh, just as an example, if you don't mind. So, so what we, we're working with the Focus Missionaries at Cal State Fullerton and with the Catholic Club. So uh, the Catholic fo- Focus Club. is coming to, okay, because I don't think it was there before. I think it was... At UCI, wasn't it? It was at it was at Fullerton. Then it came. Then it was at UCI. But it's been it's now at both of them. It's now at both of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so we have focus missionaries at both of them. So right now, the way that the that that it's working is they will have a virtual kind of fair with yeah. all the groups. So if your daughter signs up and is able to connect with a Catholic group, yeah. the the focus missionaries are going to reach out. They've been doing virtual Bible studies. Oh. They've been doing parking lot gatherings because we're trying to be, okay. you know, safe. But either way, <laughs> people yearn for the uh, in-person experience. If you have a car in between you, you're social distancing. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, but it's responding to the current needs. So yeah. uh, most of our ministries are, are falling in that same, in that same pattern. Uh, they're offering parking lot ministry but if your family doesn't feel comfortable yet, then we have a virtual opportunity for you as well. I am so glad Focus is there. That is a great program. Those who don't know it, it has to do with young people ministering to young people. And these Focus people have come right out of college themselves. They go through training, and then they spend a couple of years committed to doing this. It's a great ministry. Oh, and they are passionate in making disciples and sharing their own faith. Yeah, it's a great ministry. And it's a great ministry today for them, too, just not to get sidetracked on it so much. I just really love the ministry. It's a great one because a, a lot of them discern their own vocation to move on into full time ministry ordained or professed. And others find their vocation of, of marriage, but they yeah. discern. This is a time for a lot of them to discern. So very good. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. So things are indeed progressing. They're still moving. They're, they're moving forward. They're definitely moving forward. And, we, and we're trying to, to make sure that our communities, our young adults have been 
clamoring for this. They've been saying, you know, we want more things than just stuff online. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, definitely the hybrid reality or the hybrid model is definitely one that we are offering. I mean, just uh, just this past uh, this past month in September, we had a, a heart of the city worship night with 100 young adults here on this campus, all socially distanced, all with masks. <laughs> but there was I mean, there was 50 people in the confession line. Right. Wow. And we were cleaning every chair, <laughs> making sure that even the chairs were clean. But but again, it was an opportunity to minister in a safe uh, and socially distanced way. Yeah. But, you know, people sometimes don't just want to watch it through a screen. And, sure. and we're, we're, we're cognizant that that's a reality. And we want to make sure that, uh, yeah, that they know that their church is, is open and is here for them to, to worship. So it's, it's beautiful to see. It sounds wonderful. So as you're moving forward, what are your most your, your biggest concerns right now that you're trying to tackle? What's happening that's got you up at night? What, what are you worried about, Armando? Well, I think like most leaders, uh, probably in our diocese and even principals in our schools, you know, I mean, I think we're worried of, of a potential, you know, outbreak in, on our watch yeah. if we aren't careful, you know, and I think we, we're, we're dealing with an age group that sometimes can be careful, but also at other times could say, well, I'm young, I'm healthy, this shouldn't be really a problem for me. And so, and so what's that balance look like? Because, uh, really all it takes is an uptick and we're back to, you know, only online or we're back to closing things down. And, and I think we politicize sometimes the issues or we talk about, well, should we, should we be listening to the government? You know, at the end of the day, I think Bishop Kevin's call, for the common good, caring for our brothers and sisters, caring for the common good has been a, a wonderful call to discipleship and living out our Christian responsibility in our diocese. And, and we have adhered to that. And so I'm always worried that as we keep getting a little more laxed, does that become a threat? We have uh, on our leadership committee, we have uh, an advisor to the bishop who reminds us all the time, you know, it's not done. COVID is still going on. The flu season is about to hit us and potentially could make things worse. And, and we, we don't know. And so I think that unknown is probably the hardest. I want to get to the point where I'm not just reacting, that I'm thinking full steam ahead, what's coming up next. And even though we are, it's always with a cautionary eye and with a concern of how are we doing this safely? And and are we making choices now that potentially could put people at risk unknowingly, of course? I mean, that's never our intention. But in the desire to move forward, could we potentially hurt someone? Now, you don't just do things with the diocese. You also, I take it, you and your staff are on the phone to a lot of parishes a lot. Uh, yes, yes. What's going on in the parishes that's new and exciting or hopeful or... Instead of keeping you up at night in a bad way has actually got you kind of excited in a good way. Are there things going on out there that you're aware of that are just Wow, you need to take a look at that. No, there's some there's some great stuff. I mean, I you know, I some parishes are doing uh I think Saint a shout out to Saint Hedwig's. They're doing a thing called Show, Saint Hedwig's online, and it's become almost like a think of, like of a of a show for a parish where they highlight families, they have some games. I mean, people are are really creative. Saint Timothy's down south, they have Bible studies right now going on, virtual Bible studies if you're a teen, if you're a young adult, if you're an adult. I mean, there's some great stuff happening that is moving forward. A lot of our parishes are kind of in the mode of getting ready for confirmation to start, faith formation programs to start, most of them in a hybrid fashion, which is really exciting because it's, it, it shows movement in our parishes. You know, for the longest time, with it being closed, with us being safe, you know, distanced, there was really, not that there was nothing going on, but it was limited. And so to see some of these doors opening up and families feeling like, oh, yes, I'm starting school, but I want them to also engage with their faith. I want them to know Christ. They need Christ now more than ever in this time. To see churches vibrant and alive in that capacity, to me, just, yeah, I mean, to give me goosebumps just right now, just to think that there's opportunities where Christ can become alive because of a conversation, a presentation, or just a gathering of any sorts. You're making a very interesting point, because for most of us, we've looked at this as being such an inconvenience and such a, a tragedy almost, because it's limited so much of what we're able to do. On the contrary, while there are clearly limitations in what we're doing, there have been some new opportunities here and some new explorations and some new methodologies and new ways of engaging people. You mentioned confirmation, for example, trying to do a hybrid. How hard is it in the traditional pattern to engage people or to engage parents sometimes? Here you have a whole new way of looking at it. 
And there are some built-in factors that might make it actually easier online to engage the parents in this confirmation process, isn't there? Well, you know, interestingly enough, I think we, we, we're now in a, in a place where a lot of people are starting to get, you know, not, not to say comfortable, but you know, this is, this is starting to become, we understand that things need to be on Zoom, that, you know, we can't always meet in person. Uh, we've actually seen an uptick of volunteers coming to volunteer trainings online because it's easier for a dad who comes from work to have dinner with their family and to just log into Zoom than it is to drive over to the church on a Wednesday or Thursday night. So actually, we've actually had reports where youth ministers will say, actually, I have more people at my volunteer training than I ever had before because it's more accessible to the volunteers, which has been a a great blessing, of course. (laughs) That is a great blessing because it sounds like what it means is when all this is said and done and all the vaccines are out there and the treatments are out there and we're, quote, getting back to normal, unquote, we're not going to necessarily get entirely back to normal on purpose, aren't we? No, 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 no. In we're fact, learning I, a lot from this, aren't we? We are definitely learning a lot, and we're definitely finding things that there are aspects of it that actually don't rely necessarily always on our our used to or our normal patterns that we were comfortable with. We have small groups. You know, I mean, I, I know there's a parish that's using an app called House Party for their small group. And they said, well, you know, everyone's over Zoom. And I said, let's meet in person. But there's three or four kids who don't want to. So we just decided to get this new app that's popular with the teens. And that's how we gather. And I said... Wonderful. That's great. I mean, you're finding new ways that actually people are engaging. And because it's an app that they like using, they're talking more than even if they normally would have been gathering every other week or every week at the parish ground. So and that's evangelism. That's, that's all about that's, that's all trying to get the message out. That's fantastic. Yeah. So th- what's interesting then about this for me is that not only are you finding ways of trying to engage people, but it's got them excited once they finally get into it. It's something that probably will be retained in some manner or shape or form into the future. We're actually transforming how we're doing ministry partly because of this. I mean, how hard has it always been to get people out of the rut of doing the same thing the same way? (laughs) And now all of a sudden we have an opportunity. Let's make hay while the sun shines or... Or doesn't shine. But <laughs> let's take advantage of this right now. Oh, yeah. That's what we're doing. Isn't no, no, it? no. And I think you're right. I think we have had an openness to technology and to newness more so than ever. I mean, if there's if there was anything that pushed us to be creative and to think outside of our normal, outside the box thinking, this was it. And so not that I'm saying thank you, God, for COVID, but thank you, God, for an opportunity to think creatively to, you know, I mean, I remember the first time I mentioned to I think it was a pastor or a deacon, you know, we should try maybe something online, maybe maybe doing mass online and they were thinking what no that's that never will happen here well never never say never look at what's going on now but you know the, this opportunity hasn't been wasted we yeah. have definitely jumped in with both feet and really have used it to evangelize in our reality you're listening to orange county catholic radio with me today is armando cervantes who is the director for youth and young adults, along with several other offices in the Diocese of Orange. When we come back, Armando, I want to talk about a couple of big things that are happening or coming up very shortly in the diocese. I know that there's a whole great big thing coming up with ministries in general, and we'll talk about that when we return. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today is Armando Cervantes, who is the Director of Youth and Young Adults, along with Hispanic Ministry and Campus Ministry and a litany of different things these days. And we've been talking about so many different ministries, it's almost mind-boggling. However, it's not so mind-boggling to you because you're actually getting them all polished up and organized for some things that are happening very shortly that are very important to our diocese. Tell us a little bit about some of the things that you're getting ready for. So, you know, uh, in in the month of October, and we've had this event, actually, this is a yearly event that gets done. It'll be the first time that it's that it's a virtual event. So this event is called Diocesan Ministry Celebration. It's scheduled for Saturday, October 17th, and it's really an invitation for all people of our diocese. It really is the launching pad for our bishop to share his goal, his vision for our diocese. And our, our bishop has been really big on his strategic plan, if you're not familiar with it, all about evangelism. How do we make disciples? I mean, 
That's the goal. That's the invitation. That's the challenge. But we want to move in that direction. So DMC, as we refer to it, Diocesan Ministry Celebrations, DMC is a yearly event that happens. It, it was it used to be at uh, Marywood back in the day. Then it moved to modern day because it needed to be a bigger space. Yeah, it's always a big Saturday that you would do everything. Huge event. Trilingual event. Yeah. So English, Spanish, and Vietnamese. You get uh, – it, originally it was intended for the leaders of our church. So right. the catechists, the pastors. But, you know, Bishop has – kind of said, you know what? We, everyone's a leader. Everyone's a leader and everyone's a disciple and we're all called to live this discipleship. So DMC is scheduled for October 17th. If you're listening, you're invited to come. DMC2020.org You can register. It'll be a virtual event and the invitation for us through DMC is going to be about learning the great story. Now, I know we were talking earlier about they're still finalizing some of the platform for part of it, but you were excited about what they're talking about. They're going to be able to have, once you get into the program, you can go to different lectures, talks, discussions, and then go from there to another one and be able to have the ability to, it's like as if you're walking from room to room on campus without having to walk. That is correct. That is correct. You can do it from the comfort of your home. Uh, or, I mean, I guess if you're walking while you're doing this, you, you could do that you as could, well. You could use your phone and just kind of stare as you walk. Yeah. But the, but the idea is to have a robust platform where it, whatever language you speak, or if you want to jump from a Spanish to an English session, that you have that ability. But at the end of the day, the message of the great story is being shared with you in a variety of ways. As a lecture format, uh, obviously, Bishop will be present through prayer online and we'll be doing some small group discussion. So it's a whole day plan of a variety of activities so that it doesn't feel like you're just sitting and watching one screen the entire time. So what's the actual purpose then for this? Is it a, a training thing? Is it a, an introductory thing? Are you trying to acquaint people with other ministries or more about their own ministry? Within the ministry itself, I know you talked about the long-range plan is also a, an important part of this. Right. But the, the ministries themselves are what you're really showcasing. Why and for what purpose? Why would people need to go to this? You know, I think I think Bishop is really starting to set up the stage to really get an evangelizing energy throughout our diocese and really invite more than your regular leaders. You know, your your leaders that you've always tapped into. You know, he he's really trying to invite the larger audience, the larger church to challenge them and invite them to this call of do we know this great story and what are we doing? And you know, I think that the first time he said, Well, we gotta do more evangelization, someone said, Well, they just gotta know first what they're saying before they can go out and evangelize. And so I think this is really the the starting point of, like I said, it's kind of like a launching point because it, it's, let's talk about that story. What is that great story that we have to tell and what is it about and what do I need to know and how does it impact my life? You know, in ministry, uh, leaders, a lot of times we make mistakes when we're evangelizing. When we hear the great story, we talk about Christ, we always think of how it applies to our ministries, how we're going to share it to families, how we're going to tell it to teens. But the reality is it should motivate and challenge me first so that the changed me can change others, right? Yes, yeah. Right? Disciples make other disciples. But a lot of times we avoid the inner work because that's always the harder part. And we just want to share the story with somebody else. But if you're not transformed by the story, you can't transform others. And I think it was Bishop who really kind of reminded me of that and said, you need to be transformed first. So, yeah, you might know the story, but maybe you need to be retransformed so that when you're sharing that story, you're sharing it with a passion that, that first, the first disciples used to share it with, because that's how we're going to transform hearts here in the diocese and beyond. So this isn't really a how to, a set of how to workshops on different uh, practical applications of ministry. This is really a whole bunch of workshops on how to fall in love again with Jesus. In some ways, yes, yes. And it's a moving away from what we used to be. And I think you're you're alluding to what we used to have. Yeah. A bunch of 20, 30 workshops, choose your favorite and go from there. It's a little bit more nuanced than that. And the invitation is to really bring us back to the first love. And I to think it's important us. to know. I think there's a lot of people who don't understand where where the diocese has gone with yeah. that. Yeah, and I think Bishop, Bishop continues to invite people to that world. And actually, a lot of the changes that I've seen are starting to move us in that direction. Rick, I mean, if, if if your audience is familiar with the new the newly formed Emmaus Institute, for example, in the new newly formed Emmaus Institute, the one thing that's brand new but that I love is yes, you go through classes like you would normally go through classes, but actually, there's an invitation for you to have a companion on the journey. 
almost like if you think of the Emmaus story. Well, the right? road to Emmaus. Road yeah. to Emmaus. So you have a companion that journeys with you, is praying for you, is checking in with you. What did you learn and how did that transform you? You meet Jesus on the way, but a, only in the breaking of the bread. But that's, that's what's beautiful, right? <laughs> yeah. Is that, that in, in the last iteration, you could be doing formation on your own. You're doing that on your own. Whether you go or you don't, that's up to you. But now it's a small change, but it's a big enough change that says, I want to accompany you. And I want to accompany you in this discipleship because discipleship is the key, not just going to classes. So let's go back to the format of how this is going to work a little bit. This is October 17th. October 17th. It's going to be a Saturday, October 17th, starting at 9 a.m. Virtual DMC, Diocesan Ministry Celebration. So they'll, they'll go ahead and register ahead of time. Register ahead of time. And then they can get online and they can go to these different uh, encounters. And they're going to be able to engage in different experiences of ministry that focuses on growing them. Correct. Wow. This sounds like it's going to be a a great event. How would they go about finding out how to register for that? How would they go about being able to register for that? So go online, uh, www.dmc2020.org. That uh, website again is www.dmc2020.org. And they can then register there, and they'll get whatever PIN numbers they need to get. Uh, they'll get all they'll, the information. They'll, I think they'll even get a pre-recorded content session. So if they wanted to, they were excited already with what was going to be shared, <laughs> they can already start watching. I mean, that's, again, the beauty of virtual ministry, right? And online ministry is you can start sending content right away and say, hey, you want to get excited and get a little taste of what we're talking about? Why don't you check this out? What about people who have been involved with ministry for quite a long time? Let's say catechists who've been doing this for 10, 15 years, who aren't necessarily stale. They're, they're really doing it because they are focused on Jesus Christ. Right. What are they going to be engaged in with this? What are they going to get out of it? Are they going to get more of the same, only higher and deeper? Or how are they going to engage? Because as you mentioned, it's not just for them. Correct. It used to be. But it it's used not to be. just for them, but it's also for them. Yeah. I feel like I'm in that same boat, right? I mean, when Bishop originally get, got this got this idea out and just telling us about it, I was thinking... Yeah, I'm describing you. Someone I, who's been doing this for I, a long time I, and still been, on fire. You know, I've been doing this. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm thinking... I'm always thinking of something new. I, I, Why do I need this? And, you know, the fact that we'll have Sherry Waddell, the author of Forming Intentional Disciples, I mean, she's going to be one of your, our major speakers. I mean, you're getting someone who, you know, has been on the journey accompanying. Uh, so I can only imagine that she'll bring some great insight. Some of it that I might have heard before, but some great insight. But because it's not just a presentation and webinar format, there is going to be conversations to go deeper. I can only imagine that there's going to be an opportunity for me to say, hey, where are the 20 year plus veterans that are passionate about stuff? Let's go. Let's go deeper and talk about this. So there's going to be opportunities where you're not just being talked at. You're being either nurtured, invited if you're brand new and never have been a part of this or deepen those who, you know, deepen kind of those uh you know, kind of that, those core concepts that we hold on to, but that sometimes do need to be rattled a little bit and then, you know, do need to be challenged. So I'm looking forward to the community that will be built from it and really the challenges that will kind of be brought forward. And, you know, to be honest with you, you know, yeah, I've I can say that I'm always looking at something creative, something new. But hearing Bishop in this new mode has kind of reminded me and given me a lens. Everything that I do isn't making disciples. And is there is there a thing or two that maybe... I just got a little bit comfortable. And, you know, this was just the thing we did every year. So it became an annual thing. So maybe it is time to reevaluate. You get started, stuck in the rut. And exactly. now, good luck trying to change it. Exactly. So, and here we are changing it. And here we are with this new opportunity. And to me, I, what I'm excited about is that this is the opportunity to do so. And what it sounds like is that you've got a multiple set of opportunities of different types so that you've got large groups of two, 300 people in a in a session and small groups of, of very intimate, we can have conversations and these breakout groups that you're going to be able to be involved with. Is, is that, yeah, that's, that's how it's been envisioned. That's how it's been envisioned. Yeah. I mean, I, I, to be fair, we're still and, working out and, the format. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, Katie and father Al, really, this is their, their baby more than, more than mine. I'm helping in the small groups. Right. I'm helping with some aspects of it. So, so I think they're working out some of those details, but for your audience, you are all invited. This isn't a, a uh, invitation only. This isn't a, if you have a specific role or title, this is an invitation for our entire community of the Diocese of Orange. Is there a charge? I don't believe there's a charge, actually. I believe the idea is to invite you to something and not have any barriers of entry so that you can truly come and be nourished. So the 
if people have in any way the ability to carve out October 17th from the morning through the evening. Yep, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And then they can register ahead of time. But the registration isn't so much to collect money out of them. It's so we know who's to, who to expect who is coming. That is correct. What kinds of breakout sessions we need to make sure we're, we're putting together. And how many we need and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So even though we're not going to be meeting for lunch, we're all going to, <laughs> you still need to have a head count as to what's going on and for what groups. I believe that, I believe they've set up a lunch break so you can enjoy your lunch without having to eat and listen at the same time. <laughs> we so. can have virtual lunch breaks together, watch each other too. That's pretty good. Uh, actually, we're all wearing masks. That's okay. You just got to see the, the, chins go up and down. That's but anyway, right. That's right. Okay. So we have had a great deal of, of change take place. Yeah. We have been engaging that change in very positive ways. We've had to encounter slim downs and kind of tightening our belt yet moving forward and get creative with yeah. creativity so that what we've got coming forward for our people is going to be showcased on October 17th and then go to www.dmc2020.org. And they can get the rest of that information as to how to register in. This sounds exciting. It sounds like we're learning some new tools. When we come back, I want to make sure that we've had a chance to then talk about some of your, what's impacted you the most. I want to get down to you a little bit. Okay. We've been talking about a lot of, <laughs> of very practical things, but it's, uh, Armando, I know you well enough by now over the years to know. This impacts your heart and soul, and I want to hear how it really has impacted you. And we'll talk with Armando about how this has impacted him when we return. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today has been and continues to be Armando Cervantes, who is the director of everything at the time. No, the director. No, no, definitely not. Don't give <laughs> oh, me that bishop's title. Never mind. Don't give me that much, Rick. <laughs> you have been blessed not to be named a bishop. That's good. You're director of youth and young adults. You've been doing that for quite some time, but you're also wearing several other hats, and we've been talking about those other hats. That's right. And it has been, I'm sure, a nightmare for your calendar. Oh. To be, and, and I know it's been hard for us to be able to just get you into this chair Thank you so very much for taking the time to come in and share so much of what you've been able to share with our listening audience, especially about October 17th yes. and the diocesan ministry celebration that's coming up there. This has been hard for you. I can tell. You've watched friends that have been colleagues and you've been working with for quite some time yeah. have to depart. Uh, some hopefully temporarily, a few probably not just temporarily. Yeah. And yet you've also been engaged in ministry. How has this affected you, Armando, this time, both of the losses that have been involved and the hopes that are being engendered? I think I mentioned this briefly at the beginning. I think sometimes I feel guilty that I'm still here. Sometimes I'm just survivor's guilt. Yeah. Sometimes I'm blessed that I have a job. So I should just be grateful that, you know, I I am lucky enough to have a job and not have to worry about finding another job. I I don't know if you know this about me, Rick. We we just had a a baby girl. She just turned one in June. Wow. Congratulations to you. Thank you. So that is fantastic. Baby coming. I had baby girls. I can tell you (laughs) it's wonderful to have. (laughs) So it's been it's been great to have. But obviously, as you can imagine, in the midst of this all, you're thinking, okay, I don't want to lose my job. I'm taking her to doctor's appointments. I need to balance it all. And so, yeah, I mean, in some ways I, I'm grateful to God for still having, you know, being, having a job, but that doesn't mean that it hasn't been hard seeing colleagues having more work placed on me and then feeling like, okay, well, I have to do well because I'm one of the few that are left, you know, I mean, lots people, writing on you, you know, and a lot of people say, well, you can't do everything. It's fine. No. And I said, no, you're right. And I, I know that, but at the end of the day, I also know that there are people that need to be served. You know, I, I remember. Yeah. But in seminary, the very first class they teach you is how to say no. Oh, well, there you go. Maybe they yeah. should teach that in ministry, you know, leadership <laughs> classes. Because... But it's important to know when you really can't do certain right. things. Right. That's got to be hard to manage that as well. Well, you know, when people when people say, you know, what do you need prayer for? That's usually the big thing is balance, balance of it all. Because, you know, there are times that, you know, how do you how do you say no to, to groups when they say, I just need help. And the person that was there to help me doesn't even exist there anymore. You know, what are you supposed to say? Oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm also really busy. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, you want to say no. And that's in the back of your mind and you know your calendar. But, you know, you, you have to figure out a way. I mean, I talking to different groups, we we one of the one of the unfortunate offices that was impacted was uh, the deaf community. 
you know, and as you can imagine, the deaf community is, is a special ministry sure. that we serve in our diocese. And not to say that it's over when nobody's serving them. Uh, Father Scott Allen has been doing a great job in stepping up and serving them. But, you know, those families used to get served regularly, got contact regularly. They felt connected to the diocese because there's no parish that we have uh, for them to, to be at. Um, and how do you respond to them and how do they feel connected? I was talking to a Peruvian group who has an event in October for the Lord of the Miracles. And they do a big procession in Peru, and they've done it here in the Diocese of Orange. And I remember talking to to one of the leaders who who just was pleading, you know, please don't cancel it. You know, we'll do anything. We'll make it smaller. We'll do some veneration from far away. But but it's important to our community, and we know there's no director right now. But please don't cancel it. And you know, I hear you say you you know you can say no, but then I'm thinking, yeah, I can. But these are lives and communities and people who are just hungry to serve their church. And if I'm one of the few that exist, I can't leave them hanging on the lurch. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it is a balance. It is a balance that sometimes I have to say, okay, maybe that meeting I'll just avoid so that I can catch up on this one thing. And, and it, it feels like that's that constant thing. You were joking about getting me in this chair. Sometimes it is just that balance. Can you, can you give me 30 minutes? I'll be there in 30, but you know, you got to be a little flexible with me. But yeah, it's been a hard back and forth. I think some days I feel like, I got a good handle on it, and I have a, a good team of volunteers and staff that support. Well, that was my next question is, so what kind of support are you able to have? You've lost some people who've been yeah. professional ministry, and yeah. they're, by the state law, barred from being able to actually help you. They are. So how have you been able to assemble a, a essentially a new team yeah. to be able to do so many of these different ministries. Well, luckily, Bishop was gracious enough to allow the the same coordinator of youth ministry and coordinator of young adult ministry that I was used to working with. They're still employed. So in some ways, I was able to keep the support yeah. uh, for a youth ministry coordinator to keep supporting our youth ministers. I'm not always at those meetings. I can't always be present like I normally was used to, yeah. but at least there's someone that's responding. There's uh, uh, the coordinator of young adult ministry just came back from maternity leave because she just she just had a baby girl herself, yeah. but that's exciting because that means that someone is serving the young adults, the focus missionaries, uh, so that I can I can kind of reach out at a larger level, but don't have to worry too much. So my times right now has been kind of focusing more on my energy towards Hispanic ministry because it's a ministry that while I may be Hispanic, I wasn't in charge of the ministry. I don't, so I don't know a lot of the history. So I'm I'm kind of learning with a lot of the leadership who has been gracious and kind of sharing with me, introducing me to the ministry that they do. And in that learning, I'm kind of learning and applying so that I'm not slowing the process down. And so we continue to minister to, to families. How's it impacted your family? You know, I, I was, I was joking with someone that, uh, Camila doesn't know that there's a COVID, obviously, right? I mean, she's just at home. She's, uh, she's, I say she's walking like a drunk person right now yeah, because okay. so she, Camila is your one year old. <laughs> she is my one year old. Yes. Uh, walking she, like a drunk person. I like that. <laughs> uh, she's learning. Is to she walk. walking she's, without anybody holding her oh, hands? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that. Oh, yeah. Now she's, <laughs> she's walking and she knows that dad works from the garage. So before she didn't know that. But now that she walks, she comes and knocks on the door to make sure that. I'm there. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's been a blessing that I get a chance to work at home because the days that I can be at home, I'm able to, you know, see her, enjoy her. And then there's other days I feel guilty because I'm like, you know, baby girl, I can't be here because you are here. I need yeah. to focus on work. So, and again, it's a balance. My my wife also works in ministry. So balancing that out, she works at the parish St. Hedwig's. Okay. And so balancing that act with her, too, and saying, okay, you need to work on this day. I need to go to work on this day. How do we balance that out? It's definitely been a challenge, especially amidst this whole thing. Lots of Internet access. Yeah. Being able to, to do that well. So it sounds like you're not only engaging to the degree you can, you're thriving in what you're doing. And I, I say that from the perspective that, of course, it's a challenge, but you're still excited about what you're doing and you've got plans to move forward in new and novel ways that give hope. I'm watching you smile. People can't see you smile on the air, <laughs> but I'm watching you smile when we're, when we're talking about that. There really is hope there for a lot of this to actually have positive outcome yeah. for permanent ways of doing things better, not just not just trying to augment, but trying to actually 
recreate and do it better. Right. Well, and I think, I mean, I think at the end of the day, that's what our faith is really all about, right? That's what sustains us is the hope that we move forward. And I think working in youth and young adult ministry, if there's anything I've learned is that adaptability and newness needs to be part of your vocabulary because every year you get a whole new batch of youth or you're working with young adults. Trust me, no matter how good your plan is, they're going to challenge you and bring stuff up and (laughs) at some point say, this is old. Let me share with you something new. I mean, if anything, I think they've prepared me in some ways for this kind of reality of, of, of newness. And, and I do. And my, my hope continues to hold fast in the Lord that, you know, he's got this, that I am going to do everything I can in my power to say yes and serve in all of my capacities, but that wherever, wherever I fail, wherever I'm weak, wherever I can't, that he picks up those pieces. And I think that hope is what continues to sustain in my family life, my ministry life, and really for what's to come. So people who are listening right now, what's the most important thing you need other than prayers? <laughs> I, I know that's where you're going to go. <laughs> other than prayers, we all need our prayers. Do you need more volunteers? Do you need more young people volunteering if they're able to? And that's both to sustain you, but also to sustain all these ministries. Yeah. What do you need? You know, I, I, I mean, I think you said it at the beginning. I, yeah. If you have gifts, if you have talents, if you have money, whatever you have, if you can be a resource to your parish and your community, because they're, they're hungering for it. They're desiring it. And some people are good at asking and other people aren't good at asking. They just take it on. So if you are able to jump in and say something, I, you know, my, my, I just did a, I did a virtual training and I said, just one more thing. What's one more thing that you could offer? Because if, if you can push yourself to do one more thing, one more person can be served. One more conversation can be had. One more person can feel the, the love of Christ through you. So if, what's that one more thing you can do? And you might say, well, I'm already doing five things. What's one more thing? Because if there's one more thing you can offer, uh, I was just talking to Catholic Charities. I think they gave... A thousand families, food. And I mean, that's, you know, that's unheard of. I mean, they had a line that's of cars, yeah. you know, if I don't know how many miles back just to pick up food. And, and now they have drivers too. So they have drivers that are taking food to certain people who can't drive to pick up the food. Again, what's one more thing? You know, your parish, you already have a lot of volunteers at your parish. Great. What's one more thing with Catholic charities? I'd almost venture to say, if you've, you've tapped that out and you still want to do more, call me. Uh, uh, <laughs> we'll figure it out we'll for you. Figure it out. Our ministry here, our ministry here can use your time, your talent, your treasure. But I know that if you start at your parish, I know that if you serve your parish well, then that's where Christ may need you and that's where you can be utilized. But if that one more thing, you pray to God and you use that, I know that we can transform our, our parishes and our communities and our world. And if you're having difficulty thinking about that one more thing, go to the October 17th ministry fair and you'll learn one more thing to ask. That's right. That's right, indeed. Armando, I want to thank you again so very, very much for coming on board. You have uh, enlightened us with how well the diocese has transitioned and embraced this new reality in ways that are moving forward and positive and may actually have some real good silver linings coming out of this gray cloud. Armando, would you be so kind as to lead us in a word of prayer on the way out of this? Sure, of course. Let us lift up all of our needs and all the needs of our brothers and sisters in the world. And let us sign ourselves as we do always in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God of renewal, God of hope, God of love, renew us, renew our efforts, renew our energies, renew our our lenses so that we can see uh, you in every person that we encounter. Lord, allow us the time, the energy, the opportunity to go out and serve someone else. Let us be your hands and feet in this time of difficulty, even even in this time of social distancing. Allow us ways to renew our energy and our commitment to you so that we can continue to serve in every and any capacity. Lord, we lift up all of the needs of the many listening, all the needs that are in their hearts, all the needs that they've put out there, all of the needs that they may may not want to talk about but are the ones that need to be renewed and transformed. God of love, fill us with your love so that we can love like you love. And we pray all this in Christ's most holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today has been Armando Cervantes, who's the Director of Youth and Young Adults, along with several other titles, at least for the moment. And if you would like to have other people listen to this, or if you'd like to listen to it again after it's been broadcast, you can... Go to its podcast at occatholic.com and go to the radio tab. And there will be several radio programs that we produce here. The flagship show, OC Catholic Radio, is there. 
I'm Rick Howard, your host. Thank you for listening, and we will see you again next week.